Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. I, I really can't say this enough. Thank you. Um, we, our community kind of has a food court of churches, and uh, you came here. Thank you. It means a lot to us, and we're grateful, and I hope you'll come back. As a matter of fact, next week we start a new teaching series uh, called Now What? It's four weeks, because uh, I think it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, the resurrection happens, Easter happens, new clothes, peeps, the bunnies, the whole deal goes on, and then, so, so now what? And so what we would want to say to you is, boy, there is an answer to now what? Because we can deal with our past, we can face our future, and we can enjoy our present. And so I hope you'll join us again next week and come hang out with us. We'll be in that series for three, week, three or four weeks. And uh, people ask me all the time, what kind of church is Sugar Hill Church? Uh, we really do say it. We, we mean it. The Bible's a big deal. Jesus is the biggest deal, and serving other people is what we're all about. And so welcome home. We're really glad you're here. We're going to talk today a little bit about uh, Easter animals. Now, if your house is like my house, you, you, you had peeps. Does anybody know what a peep is made of? It's like petroleum byproduct of some sort because they, they never unpeep, right? So we got peeps going on. And then how many of you have already eaten the ears off the bunny? Anybody? Yeah, okay, good. Well done. Nice job. Uh, I would just say, you know, we have chickens at our house. A week ago, my family decided we needed to be in the chicken business. Do I look like a chicken farmer to you? Chicken belongs between two buns. And it, Listen, these chickens, they are destroying my life. They now can fly in my house. Our guest bedroom, our guest bathroom is a chicken coop, for goodness sake. Now, my wife and kids keep saying, aren't they cute? No, they're chickens. But you know, we got them and we're hanging on to them. But you know, in spite of the bunnies and the peeps and the chickens, and everything else that Easter seems to be about, there's one animal that stands out among all of them. You see, if you were a Jewish family and you'd come to Jerusalem for the Passover, wherever you came from, maybe you were in the city, maybe you were out of the city, maybe you traveled for hours, but what would happen is you would come to Jerusalem for the Jewish Passover feast, and it was a big deal because the Passover was the celebration of the Israelites leaving the bondage of the Egyptians. You remember the 10 plagues and the last one was that they were gonna lose their firstborn and so they had to take the blood of a lamb and they painted it on their doorposts and so what would happen is the angel of death would pass over and so they had this feast for that. And every year it goes on, still does. And so, and so what would happen is a family would come by and they needed an animal to sacrifice the animal's blood for the forgiveness of their sin. Now, in 2015, we hear that and think, not only is that gross, who would think that? I mean, why would anybody do that? Well, in the Old Testament, this was a norm. I mean, it's what you did. If you, every year, for the forgiveness of all the stuff you did wrong over the year, you'd go. And dad would, would bargain with, uh, with, with a shepherd and they'd, he'd buy a lamb. 
and they'd bring that lamb into Jerusalem and they'd wash the lamb. They'd get it as clean as they could. And then when it was time for them, their family, what would happen is that dad would lean over and press onto that lamb like he were trying to get the air out of an air mattress. He would press on that lamb and literally the blood of that lamb would flow. And what would happen is they believed and they were taught that when you had the shedding of that blood, that was a sacrifice so you could be forgiven for your sin. Now, I really do believe that. If we can understand the context in which it was written then, we'll better understand the context and what it means to us today. And so in that time, this was normal. This is what you did. But then something happens where Jesus comes along and God looks into the lives of us humans and he says, wow, I love them. They're my kids. I made them in my image, but man, they're making a mistake. I mean, if I did a poll here today and I said, okay, how many of you in the last week have been perfect? You haven't done anything wrong. There'd be like two people who would raise their hand and then they would have disqualified themselves because they were just lying, right? Because I mean, we're all, I mean, this just, I mean, it just, just doesn't work that way, right? I mean, it's just, it just doesn't work that way. It's kind of like the, you know, the, the mom who is making pancakes for the boys for breakfast and she's got a six-year-old and four-year-old, and she's making pancakes. And, and like all six- and four-year-old boys, they're fighting about who gets the first pancake. I mean, by the way, it's not just boys. I got a house full of girls. They do the same thing, fight over the first pancakes. Finally, mom's had all this she can stand. She looks at her and says, all right, listen to me. If Jesus was here, he'd let the other one have the first pancake. So the six-year-old looks at the four-year-old and says, hey, dude, you're Jesus today. <laughs> See, that's kind of our life, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, man, okay, I've done some bad stuff, but I need that, that guy's worse than me, so I'm good. But see, here's the great thing. I want you to get this picture that the most important animal at Easter is a lamb, a beautiful, spotless lamb, all right? Now, in, in the Bible today, I want you to, to recognize, again, at that point in the Passover, the lamb was the most important thing. Today at Passover, at this Easter season, it still is. The lamb is still the most important thing. And when we see that, we get it. You see, now watch this. Dad buys the lamb. They bring the lamb with them. Maybe they stay with family. Maybe they stay in a tent. Maybe they stay outside the city uh, with, with somebody. Maybe they go into the city and stay. But watch this. The lamb that they bought goes into the home with them, like my chickens. Now, let me just remind you, all chickens do are two things. Eat. And what happens after you eat? We have a video of Samantha, our youngest daughter, holding a chicken that she thought was just the cutest thing until that chicken, chicken did the other thing. That's just gross. Can you imagine bringing a lamb into the house? Mom feeds the lamb, takes care of the lamb. Dad gets the lamb ready for the sacrifice. The kids call, get the name for it, you know. Oh, look, it's Fluffy. And Fluffy is in there. And oh, Fluffy's so cute. And you know what those kids and those, that family's realizing? Fluffy's going to die because of what I did wrong all year long. I mean, we hear that and think, that is barbaric. But you see, in that time in Jewish law, that's what they had to do to find forgiveness of their sin. So when we think of Easter today, Jesus is referred to constantly in the New Testament as the spotless lamb of God. So God looked at our world and said, okay, that's enough of this. 
I'm going to solve this forgiveness thing once and for all. And he sends Jesus, born of Mary in Bethlehem, lives a sinless, perfect life. Doesn't do anything but heal and bring hope and joy and fulfill. Sight to the blind, walk to the lame, clean skin to the leper. But you know what happened? The Bible says he was born to die. And they brought him in front of this mock trial. I mean, it was Thursday night, and he told his boys, I'm about to leave, but I'm going to come back. And they're so confused, just like we would be like, dude, that, that makes no sense at all. And so Friday comes, and the guys scatter, and they're hiding, and Jesus is being beaten and scourged and spat upon, and his clothes are being ripped off of him, and they're being sold as they play a game for it. And a crown of thorns is pressed down on his head, and a spear is, is poked into his side, Nails are driven into his hand and his feet. And literally, God the Father has to, for a moment, put all the sin, all the foolishness, all the selfishness, all the addictions, everything we ever had, and he lays them on the shoulders of Jesus, and of course he dies. And they take him off, and they set him in this tomb, and they seal it up and put soldiers around to make sure nothing happens. And what happened to the lamb? The lamb became the sacrifice once and for all. You see, lambs were not invisible at Passover, and they're, they're not supposed to be invisible now. See, that's what made Passover so different. Unlike the daily sacrifices, which happened, what happened was everybody realized the, the lamb had to die when the hour came. This lamb, a child, would quickly come to understand, that lamb's going to die for me. But when Jesus came, listen, in the same context that that child knew that lamb would die for them, we've got to recognize Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, died for us. He came and lived in our home. Some of us gave him pet names too. Like when you have a bad golf shot, Jesus. When you wake up in the morning and there's not enough money in your checking account, what do you, Jesus Christ. Some of us gave him pet names that were just so awful. And we took the lamb for granted and we forgot about that this was the Passover season. I mean, these, Isaiah the prophet included the idea about the Messiah. He, he said there would be like a lamb led to a slaughter. John the baptizer proclaimed it down at the river. In John 1, 29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes, comes to take away the sins of the world. John looked at Jesus and said, He's come to take away the sins of the world. Jesus came for, for, for every sin that would happen, for every sin you did happen. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Listen, dude, I am not about this religion thing. I do, I do not do the church thing. I'm here today to make mom happy or my wife happy or somebody happy. And I'm just going to kind of endure your deal. But religion is not for me. Could I just say to you, please don't let religion be about you. Religion is killing our world, literally killing our world. I am begging you, don't become religious. God did not send the Passover lamb in the form of his dear son, Jesus, that he would be slaughtered and die and lose his blood and his body be broken for you to pay attention or believe that you're about a religion. Because I'm telling you, God doesn't look at you and say, oh my gosh, they're Catholic, can't do that. He doesn't look at you and say, wow, Episcopalian, out of here. 
He didn't say, dude, Methodist, are you kidding me? I mean, he didn't look at the Presbyterians and say, no thanks, the frozen chosen, no deal. He didn't look at the Baptists and say, well, y'all got it going on. You know what he does? He looks at our heart and says, did you receive the Passover lamb, the one that I sent and his blood was shed that you might have forgiveness? Is that, did you do that? Because you may be here and you're saying, man, I just don't dig this whole religion thing. Thank you. And welcome home. Because Jesus is not about a religion, but he desperately wants to walk in relationship with you. I mean, this main scripture we use today is in a, a little book called 1 Corinthians. It's a letter that a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, writes to a church in Corinth. And in, in chapter 5 and verse 7 in 1 Corinthians, here's what he says. For Christ Jesus, talk about Jesus. When you, when you, every time you read the New Testament, Christ, you insert Jesus. For Jesus Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Now, in the context in which Paul is writing this, he's talking about our messed up lives. I mean, he's going on kind of this litany talking about the church, about how we're messed up and the mistakes we make and the foolishness we do and the selfishness we have. I mean, it's almost like Paul lived next door to us and he's saying, look at those people, you're messed up, come on. Jesus, the Passover lamb came, he was sacrificed and his, his blood was spilled for, for your sin. You're saying, now, wait a minute, Chuck, listen, are you saying that I'm a bad person? Kind of, yeah. I'm saying we all are. What I'm saying to you is that our, our hearts have all manner of evil. I know folks who say every week, I'm not going up to that church. That church filled, filled with hypocrites. You are so right. I mean, just look at, do this. It's, as uncomfortable as just look around at people sitting around you. Just go ahead and look around at them. Liars, cheaters hypocrites. I'm, I'm the chief one. You know what a hypocrite is? One who says Sunday morning, I love Jesus, and one that goes out there and just doesn't live like it. Sound familiar? You say, wait a minute, Chuck, that's, that, that's me. Yeah, that's why the Passover lamb was sacrificed for you. You see, you look at that and you say, wait a minute, the, the lamb of God sits at the right hand of the father now. So the lamb came, the lamb died, the lamb came back to life so that the lamb could live with God so that we who believe in the lamb could be there too. I mean, is that not the most amazing thing? The resurrection made the difference. Easter made the difference. Easter said the lamb didn't just die for you, the lamb was buried for you, the lamb rose for you, and the lamb went to heaven so that you could have a home there if you would take him and the sacrifice of that blood that you might have forgiveness of your sins and heaven could be real for you. And you say, well, Chuck, I'm in on that deal. I want that, if, but if I, I got to count beads, if I got to walk an aisle, if I got to learn hymns, if I got to dress up, I'm not in for that deal. Listen to me. Jesus never said you got to get your act together and then I'll, I'll die for you. As a matter of fact, what Jesus said is you bring me the most messed up life you can imagine. That's what I died for. And by the way, Jesus didn't drop one shed of blood more for Billy Graham than he did you. Can you hear the crowd now? Pilate says, Hey, look, do you want this guy back? You want this Jesus who calls himself the king of the Jews? You want him? What did the crowd say? Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us the thug. Give us the murderer. Give us the thief. We'd rather have him. And Pilate looks, but, but this man, Jesus, what has he done? He's healed. He's loved. He's fed. He's cared for. He's served. Surely you want this man. Give us Barabbas. Give us the thug. And so he does. 
And you know why he did? Because God had to give up Jesus so that he could love Barabbas like he does Jesus. But did Barabbas get it? Man, there's a lot of folks in here that are just like me, and we're Barabbas. We forgot that the lamb came for us. The spotless lamb of God came for us. I mean, John writes in the book of the Revelation, he says that the lamb of God is sitting on the right hand of the Father. But now here's what I don't understand. How did this little lamb, how did he go from the little lamb to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? How did he go from the precious little lamb to death, to resurrection, to all power, all glory, source of all life? How does that happen? Well, watch this. Here's what John writes in Revelation 5.13. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. You know, when I get to teach this to little kids, I love this question. You look at a little kid and say, how long is forever? You know what a kid says? Forever's forever. How long do you think forever is? It's forever. Well, who's going to be king of kings? Who's going to be lord of lords? Who's going to be the lamb sitting next to the throne of God? Who's going to be sitting right beside the father? Who invites us in to sit at the big boy table at heaven? Who invites us in because his life was given, his blood was shed, that we would have forgiveness of our sins so that we could someday sit by the lamb next to the father in heaven? Who did that? Jesus and only Jesus. What does resurrection mean to you? The resurrection means the lamb came and you received that spilled blood so that when he rose from the grave, you could say, I want him. Let me just say to you, if anybody were to say, I'm going to die, three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead, and then I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to create a home in heaven for all those believe, and he did it, I want to be on that side. I want in on that deal. I want to believe that that lamb was the biggest deal ever. I mean, the Bible gives us some truths about the lamb of God. I mean, God said, I love you through Jesus' death. I mean, think about this. I don't know what your deal is, but I promise you in this room, we got people dealing with all kind of junk. I doubt if anybody walked in here and sat down and, and, and when you took the church face off, I mean, you just got really transparent. If I said, really, how are you doing? Seriously, how are you doing? You know what most of us would sit down and say? Man, have I got some messed up stuff. I got this addiction, I got that addiction. Listen, the spotless lamb of God shed his blood, died and rose from the grave and went to sit next to the right hand of the father for you, porn addict, for you, alcoholic, for you who's cheating on your wife right now, for you who's struggling with relationships. He died and shed his blood for you. And he said, man, all you gotta do is say, I want that. Give me that. I, I'm, I'm in on this deal. Listen, haven't you ever been someplace where you thought, you know what, nobody loves me. Nobody cares. You ever been there? Lonely enough where you just thought, man, it's, nobody cares. By the time somebody winds up in my office, typically they're, they're talking about their marriage or their kids or their addiction. And, and you know, it's interesting when you hear all that, it all comes down to the same thing. I mean, regardless of how you come to my office, eventually what I found is regardless of the issue, at some point, it's that you didn't get the spotless lamb of God right. Because when you get Jesus right, you get everything else right. I mean, I got folks that send me notes almost every week. You know what you need to do, pastor? You need to preach on this. You need to, I, I got a note the other day that's saying, you need to preach on this same-sex marriage thing. 
Could I just be honest with you? I think I preach about it every week. You get Jesus right, everything else will get right. I mean, listen, so you're here and you're hung up, you got some addiction. Listen, you get Jesus right, you get everything else right. Anything that I do beyond that, I'm only going to build a religion on top of you. I just don't want you to get Jesus right. I want you to understand the lamb came for you. Jesus' death, we understand his worth. Because Jesus, the lamb, came, we understand what it's worth. And as a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, it says this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what his worth was? His worth was everything that you've ever done wrong or every will do done. So man, lady, you're going to run around and cheat on your spouse? You know what? Jesus died for that. Man, you're messed up with that addiction? Jesus died for that. I mean, you know what his worth was? You can't make him not love you. That's his worth. And you say, well, Chuck, you don't know how hard I partied last night. Well, you know, I, I don't. He does, and he still loves you. You don't know how messed up my life is. You're right, I don't. He does, he still loves you. His worth is that whatever it is you can do wrong, his love's greater. However messed up you are, he said, just come on. I'm not going to ask you to clean all that up. Just come on, just look, get me right. All the rest of it will take, just, just get me right. I mean, the resurrection makes the ultimate difference in our life. I hear people often say, you know, the Jews killed Jesus. No, they didn't. Why? Well, the Jews didn't kill Jesus. Well, he said, well, then the Romans did. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. I mean, I want you to think, you know who killed Jesus? We did. We put him on that cross. My sin, my selfishness, my messed up life, your sin, your selfishness, your messed up life, that's why he got on the cross. Like when one thief on one side of him hanging on the cross says, hey, listen, dude, if you were really the king of the Jews, you'd call down some angels and we'd be cool here. You know what the other one says? Dude, that's the son of God. Don't mess with him. And then he looks at him and says, Lord, man, first right, he got, he got it, didn't he? Because see, in that time to call somebody Lord would say, man, you're, you're over me. You're higher than me. You're greater than me. And so he says, Lord, remember me when you go to paradise. Now watch this. He didn't have an aisle to walk. He didn't have a sacrament to participate in. He didn't have beads to count. He didn't have a service to attend to. He didn't have hymnals. He didn't have an organ. He didn't have a banjo. He had one thing. He had Jesus. That's all he had. And you know what he said? Lord, will you remember me? Because I want to be with you. Those two words to me blow my mind. The spotless lamb of God came into your life so you could be with him. And where was he going? In Paris. What did Jesus respond to that, to that thief? You know, he looked at him and said, today you'll be with me. Listen to me, friend. However messed up you came in today or however perfect you think you are and you came in today, you don't need sacraments. You don't need religion. You don't, you don't need beads. You don't need a priest. You don't need hymnals. You don't need organs. You know what you need? The one thing, the spotless lamb of God who hung and died and shed his blood on a cross for every messed up thing in the world. The resurrection makes the ultimate difference in our life. I mean, it made the difference. It turned Mary's tears of heartbreak into speechless celebration because of the resurrection. Every one of the disciples transformed because of the resurrection. I mean, can you imagine when Mary shows up at the tomb? Jesus is gone. She looks at him and thinks it's a gardener and thinking, wow, that's a very well-dressed gardener. And he says, hey, it's me. How about that? 
she takes off running, wouldn't you? She goes back. She knocks on the door. The boys are locked in. They got the door. They're scared. They're going to die too. He's back. Two of them say, we're getting on. You know, Peter and the other dude, they take off, right? Peter's one of those ready fire aim guys. So you're going to show me. So they took off. Of course, he's behind the other dude because he, he eats too much fish and chips. And so he's headed on the way and he gets there. They look in and say, okay, dude, this is, what, what is going on? Guards are asleep. Stone is rolled away. He's gone. What in the world? They go back and they look at the boys and say, what are we going to do? Now, a little while later, Jesus decides to show up. The door's locked. He doesn't knock. He doesn't undo the latch. He walks through the door. Come on, you got to admit, that's cool. He walks through the door. He gives them one thing. You ready? Peace I bring to you. You know what the spotless lamb of God who walks into Easter brings you? Peace. You know what every man, every woman, every child I know, you know what they need in their life, in their home, in their work, in their soul? Peace. You know what the spotless lamb of God did? He came in and walked through the door of your life, said, I want to bring you peace. The spotless lamb of God whose life was taken, whose blood was shed, who was put in that tomb and rose from the dead, I want to bring you peace. In time, over the last 2,000 years, entire governments and cultures and educational processes have been changed because of the resurrection. Time literally was split in half. The resurrection was a big deal. You see, because of the resurrection, we win. I don't know anybody that doesn't like a winner. Now, I'm, I'm all for the underdog, man. I'm telling you, when the Braves are winning, we pack that stadium. When they're losing, what do we do? We call sports talk radio and gripe about it like we're, like we're experts. I mean, I'm so glad there's not like pastor talk radio. Every Monday, I'd be crucified. But we love a winner, don't we? The spotless lamb of God rode in on a colt into Jerusalem. Four days later, he said to his boys, I'm about to be out of here, and I'm coming back. They went underground while he got put on a cross. The spotless lamb of God was slaughtered and the blood was shed for forgiveness for all mankind, for you, for me, for all ages. Put in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, just like he said, he walked out and he walked into the disciples' life and said, I bring you peace. You say, well, wait a minute, I, I went in on that. You win. You know, the resurrection says, You win. I mean, the greatest thing I can tell you is this. God is not waiting on you to wake up to bust you for whatever you did wrong. I mean, every morning, according to Psalm 121, when you wake up, a God who doesn't slumber, who, a God who doesn't sleep is waiting on his kids to say, come on, let's go. I let my son die for you. I let the spotless lamb of God, let's go change the world. He's not waiting to bust you on something. He says, come on, I've already paid for you. I bought you. You're all mine. I gave my son. You get to win. Let's go win. It was World War I, and there was a man who'd been terribly wounded. To the degree that his life was about to go out of his life, and he, he was in one of those trenches. And during, during his time in the military, he got to know a buddy the problem was that buddy didn't volunteer. He'd been forced into the military because he'd made horrific decisions. He'd been involved in so many things and he was already a wanted man. When he got out of the war, when he got back, he was gonna be thrown in jail and the guy is dying there. And his hands are those bloody dog tags, his wallet and his ID papers. And he said to the guy that's just the thug and the creep, he says, listen, I don't have any warrants out on my life. 
when I get home, I got a family that loves me. Give me your dog tags. Give me your wallet. Give me your papers. And we'll swap identities. And you can go home clean. Listen to me. Jesus wants to give you his dog tags. He wants to give you his wallet. And he wants to give you his papers and give you a brand new identity. Because the spotless lamb of God walked into Jerusalem and allowed his life to be slaughtered and his blood to be shed and his body to be broken so that he might raise from the dead and go sit beside the father and you trust and believe him and you get to sit around the table as God's child. You know why? Because the spotless lamb of God loves you. Let's pray. We'll be about done here in a minute. And if you just hang in there and be patient, just with heads bowed and eyes closed. This morning at 7.30 in the sunrise service, man, we had three or four people who said, man, I I want in. I want to trust the the Lamb of God for my life. 9.30, we had eight or ten people who said, man, I want to trust God with my life. So I want to say to you, I don't have a magic prayer. I don't have a potion. I do have a Savior who's the spotless Lamb of God who wants to give you life in abundance and life eternal. The Bible says if you call on His name, He will hear you and save you. Today, you can claim the spotless Lamb of God as your King, your Savior, your Lord. You say, well, Chuck, I don't know how to do that. Well, it's, it would sound in a prayer. It's kind of like this. You can just say it silently in your heart and mean it. God, God knows your heart. He knows your head. He knows your soul. And it's kind of like, God, thanks for sending Jesus for me. Thank you that he died for me and rose for me. He was the spotless lamb of God. I, w- I want to accept him dying for me, shedding his blood for me, raising from the dead for me as payment for all my sin. I want to live for him, not for me anymore. If that's the desire of your heart, if that's what you want today, I would never embarrass you. But would you just kind of quietly lift your hand real silently so nobody's looking around but me? Yeah. 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 Yeah, all over this room. Thank you. That's the desire of your heart. A God who cannot lie says, I'll hear you and I will answer your cry. And you can be as sure for heaven as if you were already there because the spotless Lamb of God came to give you life. Father, thank you. On this day for people who said yes to you. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.